Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Coming up today, we'll speak to Tommy Tiernan, who's just returned from Africa. Well, I tell you what, Larissa, I have to say this. Yes. So I was walking around this famine camp in Ethiopia, in Somalia. Yes. And all they wanted to know was could I get them tickets for Garth Brooks? Well. I'm not one bit surprised. It's basically like walking around Knockmore. Well, the whole country has gone. The whole country has gone guard mad. Yeah, Tommy, you escaped it. I escaped a ship from the out of the frying pan into the fire. Uh, well, come on then. So, do, 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 do. Joining us now on the line from Geda in Somalia, Geda, Tommy yeah. Tiernan. Can you hear me? Uh, what do you want to know? We, we want to know, want everything, to know everything from the minute everything. you left. From the moment you left, where did you go? You went. So, it was a mo- so so everybody was. I was playing down the danger of it. Yes. Just to keep everybody. But we made sure you kept your feet in the ground and knew how dangerous yeah. it was. So it is. Um, so the kids were fine, actually. Uh, I have a, a a human wife. Right. And, and she. Uh, more or less kind of uh, was very strong but was a little bit worried I'm sure when I was going and she said it's not like she'd be well used to me going away to Montreal for a week or you know Edinburgh for a couple of weeks of course yeah this was a different kettle of fish for her altogether so tried to reassure I was leaving I left on a Friday and I said to her this time next week I'll be back home in your arms lovely that was really reassuring hoping to get the ride before I left (laughs) Very reassuring, Tommy. Yeah, I'll be just seven days and I'll Remember be Remember that, the, the GAA ride. Have we talked about that? We have the GAA ride. What's no. the GAA ride? Going away again. <laughs> did it take you until you oh, got to Mogadishu to come up with that? Or I'm, I'm did you head, get that in Dublin? I'm heading in the morning. We better... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The going the away, going away ride. ride. The GAA. <laughs> going away again. Uh, so, Tommy, you flew Dublin where? So, flew to... So, drove up uh, to Dublin and then checked in with Emirates. Um, it's been a long time now since I've flown economy. Oh but God. I suppose I couldn't really... I couldn't look great. I couldn't, I couldn't hit Troker for the business class. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
That'd be nice on the expenses so, sheet. Yeah, you went, you got onto this massive plane and turned to the right. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> now I, now I paid for everything. I paid. I insisted on so paying. Just to clarify, just to clarify before anyone gets. So, I, so, so you weren't working for for Troker here. No, but this I went on a Nixer. No, but I went out. I can't. I contacted Troker and I said, look, I, I've seen the work that you're doing around the world. Loads of different African countries in the Sudan and South Sudan and. Uh, DRC in Ethiopia, in Myanmar, in mm-hmm. Palestine, Guatemala, Nicaragua. How can I help? And they said, well, the first thing you could do is come out and see the situation in Somalia. So I said, great. And then I just, as we were kind of, I had to have a security briefing and they gave me all these things. Look, if you get kidnapped, uh, this is what to expect. Don't mention what, the podcast. What do I expect <laughs> if you get ambushed by guns? This is what this is what you yeah. do, and all this kind of stuff. So, so, on, so in truth, like, be honest now. How nervous were you actually? Going? There was one or two times I was. I wasn't before you went though. It was probably even bigger. Like, as in the reality of going through the things, you maybe weren't that nervous. Well, yeah. Were you more nervous before you left? A few times now, I seen Gossens with. So we had security with us most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Sometimes 10 yards, sometimes 40 yards away, there'd be either four or five guys with uh, Kalashnikovs uh, looking around to make sure. So there's a, there's a terrorist organisation there yes. called Al-Shabaab. And a couple of weeks ago, they just they had just killed 17 people yeah. in a humanitarian food queue. Uh, oh, wow. So they're kind of um, an affiliate of And in a ISIS. hotel, didn't they there kill a lot of people in So uh, it was a few times where I was a bit... So you can... There are places you can go during the day, but you can't be there in the afternoon. Why? Because that's when Al Shabab come back into it. So, and being white, you're there's a thing of Al Shabab mightn't be there, but Al Shabab sympathizers might be there, and you might be kidnapped and that kind of stuff. So there's that kind of crap going on. So <sighs> tell me the flight Emirates Dublin where I got on the Dublin Emirates. Dubai. Now I have started getting this fucking thing in my legs when I start flying. So Yvonne tried to reassure me and said, look, it's just a bit of deep, deep vein thrombosis. Don't worry about it. You have to wear the tights. So what happens is... uh, Do you want to get your legs stretched out there? Yeah, I can't... If I'm on a... I've noticed it on flights now. If they're long haul flights, after about two hours, I fucking... The back of my knees start acting the maggot and I have to fucking... I have to stand up and walk around. That didn't work for a stitch. It's like right in the back. That was no good to the economy. Right, and I'm, so I'm there. That was the worst part. So how long was it? To, was that, it that, that was the worst part of the whole trip. And so it depends on your legs. It was just fucking. So I'm, the first flight was about uh, is it ten hours from here ten to hours, Dubai? Yeah. So that was fine, and then we had an we had an hour between flights. Then we flew from Dubai to Nairobi. Now, so you're that's when you land. Dubai is just a fucking Dubai shopping centre. It's a world. shopping centre. Yeah. That's all it is. It's like flying into the middle of the fucking Stevens Green. Yes. It's just, it's... it's and hot. Yeah. It it does nothing for the mind at all. Uh, you just get giddy with shopping. But when you land in Nairobi, that's when, you know... Uh, You're in a different In an world. arch, Ella. You're, yeah. You are in... Uh, so did you get exposed big, to Nairobi? That's with these big, big women behind... Now, security is like trying to get into Tomb Stadium, right? You're not talking about <laughs> fucking stars. JFK. You're talking about trying to fucking get to see Tomb Stars play Moy Lock. It's pretty lax. It's pretty lax. And she's big and she's buxom. And she's another one <laughs> beside her. And the two of them are looking at me and laughing and smiling. And, and yeah. Do you see the body, baby? 
Would you be? <laughs> really, almost flirty. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and then, so then we go and we meet a man called Paul Healy, who works for Trokra, and he's the guy in charge of the Somalian operation, right? So it's huge. Trokra are, we can be very, very proud of Trokra because uh, what I mean by that is our our money, the money that they've gotten off the public, you know, all their Lenten campaigns and all their fundraising yes. has done phenomenal work over there. Set up hospitals, set up schools, pay for doctors, pay for food, pay for teachers. Uh, we can be very, very proud uh, of the way that they've spent that money. Um, for decades and decades. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's something that we should uh, be aware of, I think. Anyway, so... Um, got into the hotel in Nairobi and I had these visions of I'd heard Nairobi I love was, hear these stories because I've oh never no. got somebody who's followed into places like uh, this it's so great. I was I hearing so I was looking they said Nairobi is a fully functioning uh, oh no, African kind of? city you know so it's high finance it's got mm. international players it's got you know it's, it's a, normal it's a city of the world yeah. so I was looking forward to getting into Nairobi and just looking, checking into the hotel <laughs> and go out strolling and just strolled oh, around. Well, I got into the hotel. Uh, we had to pass by the security gate with fucking barbed wire. In the on hotel? It. Yeah, all in hotels hotel. in Africa have very high security. And they said, now, more, but it the would be harder to get in, get out. Of the, it's easier to get out of the airport to get into yeah. the hotel. He says to me, you can't go for a walk. And I says, why not? He says, because there's a very high likelihood that you'd be mugged. So then you be, that's the first time you be, become aware of being white. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. you, you, we walk around most of the time and for us, our skin colour isn't, you never even think about it, yeah. really. But there, your, 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 your presence is an oddity. So I said, no, you can't walk around. So I says, okay, fine. Stayed in the hotel, met your man Paul for dinner. Quarter to four the next morning, back to the airport and a UN flight. United Nations Humanitarian uh, Food Outreach Programme flight into fucking Mogadishu. This is where it gets juicy now. Now, uh, Tommy, were you saying? So, now, just, just so Yvonne wouldn't feel too nervous, uh, the two of us sat down to watch Black Hawk Down. Uh, <laughs> 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 copy that, Charlie uh, Roger Four. The night before I left. So, I don't know if you remember Black Hawk Down, uh, <laughs> where the uh, a couple, couple of the American choppers yeah. fall in the middle of Mogadishu and the boys, nice. the boys are yeah. killed. But they fly in over the ocean. Yeah. Into the city. And yeah. that's where. Yes. That's the that's start. That's where of you it. came in. That's where the Tommy, flight that's in. class. So, we flew in on a little UN flight. Again, um, Al Shabaab had been bombing the airport. So, you, you don't leave the airport. You just you stay in the airport. So, stay in the airport. And then we flew to a place called another a smaller UN. Were you wearing flight. a um, um, metal flat, jacket? Flat, flat jacket. jacket. No. Bulletproof. No. no. Tommy, who? When you're saying it's a UN flight, how big is the plane, and is it full of supplies at the back with twenty people or personnel or? It's full of or? people from loads of different charity organisations, um, charity organisations from America and from Europe, who are all running uh, food or health programs. And how long was the flight from? Nairobi. Uh, there's about two and a half hours into Mogadishu. Okay. And then we had uh, about a 40 minute flight to this place called Dullo. And when you take off, that's when you see, because these, these are smaller planes on shorter flights, so you're not going as high up in the sky. Well, so you're seeing everything. So you're below the clouds. Yeah. And it's red dust. Yeah. 
It's red dust and they don't, the roads are, they're dusty. They're not, there's no tarmac like there's, they're, they're bush roads, you know. We landed in Dullo and that's when you become aware of the strangeness of the place. It's a bit like, it's a little bit like landing in a war zone. Um, It's very, it's just, it's a host, it's a physically hostile environment to white people from Europe who we grew up with lush trees and big bushes and, you know, forests. Um, Morning dew on the grass, Tommy. You this don't see is, it over there. This is, this is like a scorched Connemara. This is, there's no trees. There's lots and lots of rock. It's mainly dust. Into the Trocra compound, meet a few people. Um, meet doctors, meet teachers, uh, health workers, um, all this kind of stuff. And then, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. You're just meeting the team or whatever. Um, and then I think the first thing we had to do is we had to meet the elders. So the that's really important in African society is the elders of the group. Um, mainly men, but Trokra are insisting um, that any dealings they have with local Somalis, their needs, uh, and if a, a board is being set up, like a health board or something like that, yeah. it needs to be at least 40% women. Oh, wow. So that's a big thing for Somali yeah. culture. And some Somali men are in favour of it and others are a bit resistant to it. Like most Somali girls have their clitorises cut off when they're 13 or 14. Most Somali girls might get married at the age of 14 or 15. Most of them might have had a baby by the time they're 15 or 16. So it's a different... Mm -hmm. The women all wear the kind of... It's a very Islamic country. Um, So we go to meet the elders. And the elders, you have to... They are... They call Trokra the mother of ghetto. There was a civil war, I think, in 1993 or 94, something like that. And every aid agency in the world left because it was too dangerous. Every aid agency except Trokra. So the Somali people have a grau moor for the organisation and they call it, they call Trokra the mother of Gedo. Gedo is a province of Somalia about the size of Ireland, right? So we go to meet the elders and it's men and a couple of women and it's the fucking heat the heat it's like it's <laughs> when did you first feel that heat Tommy it's like doing it's like having a meeting inside in the fucking oven in Dobro's fuck <laughs> did you feel it from the moment you stepped but up like f- 40 degrees so like 36, 37 the water running down the back just you're starting to sweat now you don't even sweat because it's too fucking hot to sweat you have rice krispies of fucking perspiration <laughs> the sun is but piercing but the big thing was Gossens Gossens that if you saw them in Clare Galway, Barna or Knockmore would be outside Super Value with their phones. <laughs> These boys are head to toe in military fatigues. <laughs> a 15 year old with and a fucking AK-47 eyeballing you. 15 like. And the gun slung over his fucking shoulder. And, he's <laughs> and the big fucking man spreading him. <laughs> <laughs> these are the security for the elders. The, no, these this, this, these, these are the Somali army. <laughs> like fucking gossens. Were they outside the building? You there, were... there was no, you know, no, there's no going inside the building for a fucking meeting. You'd be boiled. Like, so we're, we're meeting under the tree. And everybody talks, you know, and they're, they're saying um, who they are. There's the uh, local religious leader. There's the 
the Did head you have an interpreter with and you? the fucking head of that, yeah. So you had to have an interpreter. Right. So they, so they're, those people are basically the ones that give you permission to be there. And they'd know somebody who'd know somebody who'd know somebody in Al-Shabaab. Oh, okay. They're not, Al-Shabaab are their enemies. Yeah. What? But they'd know. Yeah. They'd, they'd know somebody who'd know somebody and they'd find out, is it okay for you to be there? Okay. And uh, a lot of people in Al-Shabaab would depend on the medical facilities provided by Troker and stuff okay. like that. Mm-hmm. So nothing is really clear. Do you know what I mean? Nothing is, nothing is like, Nothing is nothing has been like that in Africa for a long time. But nothing is obvious <laughs> how it works. It's all moving a word parts about this and stuff and a word like that. Yeah. So then we got everybody introduces themselves and uh, it comes around to me and what the fuck do I say? Like you know, hello, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm hello. Tommy. I'm a I'm a comedian <laughs> and I do a podcast with two of my friends. <laughs> and you can hear us on Spotify. Like <laughs> <Tommy, laughs> <Tommy, laughs> yeah, so I can get you a deal on the members. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the members podcast goes out yeah, every Monday. Like, bubble afraid. hat. I get you a bubble hat. Um, and then, then they start telling you about stuff that they need. We need this and we need that. And it's all... you're he- So I think one of the things about it is you're taking in so much information and you're seeing so many things that it's very hard to process. Like we right. went into the hospital and they're measuring... There's a... Um, it's uh, benches out... In the shade, uh, and there are 40 mothers there with babies on their laps and they're getting their arms measured, the baby's arms measured um, for malnutrition. And you're seeing this and you're coping in the moment. And you're kind of going, you're taking this in, you're taking that in, people are giving you information, people are giving you numbers. You're looking at, you know, a young one, she's about 14 and she's a child hanging out of her and it's hers and it's all really all this strange culture and it's fucking roast and hot and you're so we saw this baby who who died um uh baby came in uh, severely malnourished the mother came in uh put the baby on the bed and uh the i mean i've never it's just you know you're you're it's almost you you survive the moment yeah so you're, you're, you're looking at this situation and you're taking it in mm. and then the doctors say, okay, this baby's not going to uh, make it. Uh, and it's an open war. There are, I was just going to say, there's no dignity there, like, is there? Well, in a way, like, there's no privacy, like, there's <clears throat> 15 people working there. Is there different types of people? Yeah, but there's, there's, there's uh, 22 other mothers uh, oh. lying yeah, on sitting beds there and they see it, with, with so. their babies who are also severely malnourished yeah. as well, so... This was all in the first few hours, Tommy. Yeah. Of you landing after meeting the elders. Yeah. So then I'm, I'm, I see this baby and uh, it's, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is I, and then I'm taken to a room where women who are being raped in the camps uh, go. And then I'm taken to a, a school where uh, kids from the camps, not all of the kids of the camps are there because there isn't enough room. Some, if you go to school, your child will get fed. Mm-hmm. So there is food in Somalia. There just isn't enough. So if your kid, you, it's almost like I had so many experiences that what I have to do now is I have to spend time with each one. I got talking to this fella who's, um, his, all his animals had died. So, so if you're a nomadic Farmer in Somalia, your animals are your life. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know. 
So there's been no rain for four years, so the animals die. And on the ground where we were, you see uh, there's dead cows and dead goats and you're kind of, you're, and, but you're moving all the time. There's a dead cow there. There's a fellow with an AK-47 there looking out for you in case this fucking terrorist organisation come. There's a, a young boy in covered from head to toe in red dust in uh, an old Chelsea jersey looking at you. There's a beautiful woman smiling at you over here. But everyone is in rags and there's, there are maybe 40,000 people in this camp. 40,000 people who don't have enough food just in that one camp. They reckon there are a quarter of a million outside the town. It's just fucking unreal. So it's almost like, to this fellow, I could talk to this lad. And a lovely kind of calmness about him. And a beautiful big smile on his face. Eight kids. Uh, all the animals had died. The, all the crops had failed. Walked for two weeks to get to the camp. One of the kids died on the road. Oh, fuck. He had to bury the child. So they, they have a thing in, in Islam where... You you bury it within the next. You bury if somebody dies. They get buried in the next. Oh, not where you're going. Or... Sunrise to sunset. Okay. So do you remember when um, they shot uh, Osama bin Laden, and there was a big thing there. We, they had to get rid of the body within the day. Yeah. Mm. So that's a big thing in Islam. Okay. So, and the father knew that if they would stayed to mourn, like the, their funerals are as elaborate as ours. Do you know? three days and all the neighbours come round and weeping and wailing and you know so but he knew that this so the baby had died uh, on their way like on the some, walk so yeah there wasn't like their neighbours weren't there or nobody was there so the, you, he dug a hole by the side of the road buried the child <sighs> and moved on and you have to keep going oh my god so he arrived in the camp and his wife is breastfeeding the baby but there's no milk coming out of her because she's malnourished Another child is uh, on the brink of severe malnutrition. So you're taking in all of that, all this fucking mm. stuff. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like there's twenty tubes going into your brain, yeah. and each of them are rattling with fucking yeah. stimulus and information. And it's only when you come home and you think about each individual thing that you've seen. Yeah. That you start. Sure, how could you deal with all that sadness? And like each case is worse than the other. Like yeah. no cases like one, oh God, that struck me more than this one or this one struck it's me. A, it's a, it's a, it's a harsh. I mean, that man's life was already difficult. Like, and then with all his crops failing, he had to walk there to all leave. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just bury your child somewhere and probably not even remember where he buried the child. I suppose, Tommy, this is why you went out there because. And have you changed? Me, me clothes. You, <laughs> are you changed? Or do you feel different since you came back? No, but I mean, you know, I mean, um, the, you do, know, could see, you find out stuff like, say, for instance, those people that were getting raped? Is there any the women that were getting raped? Is there any comeback? Like, is there anybody to the elders? Do they take care of the person that rapes, or is there a shooting, or mm. is there a prison, or no? So the general gist of something like that is that the uh, the clan has been offended. So, so we, we have a system of individual justice here. So if somebody's the victim of attack, that individual seeks justice. And they try to get it through the courts. Uh, and that's our system. Their system, from what I could pick up, is that the clan has been offended. So the clan gets repaid. And the clan gets repaid in either cattle uh, or money. Now that's a very old... You know... 700 years ago that might have been the system in Ireland 
where they used to call it blood money, mm-hmm. where if you kill somebody, you owe them cattle. You owe their you owe their tribe cattle. Yeah. So these are you have there the the women working in the uh, the sexual trauma clinic were saying we get between four and six women here a day, uh, and uh, it's you know it's it's a different. It's a different system that they have a different way. So it's all this kind of... You, you were certainly seeing that this is all, Tommy, was that all in the space of the first first day you arrived? You first day or two. They didn't hold back and I suppose that's part of the whole thing. There's no holding back when you get to somewhere like this. This is like, they're going to show you exactly what's happening when you're on the ground over there. There's, yeah. no, there's no molly coddling and saying, we've only one thing to see today. There was well, just loads to see. Yeah. Loads of harrowing moments and loads of... It's just, it is... Were it's, you it's mucking extreme. in? Like, were you doing, mm. oh, let's, I'll write down the measurements. Were you doing jobs? Like? I know, they've, they've, I mean, they've fully... But were you doing jobs or what were you doing? <clears throat> were you just observing? I was, I was just observing and trying to um, listen to stories and I've recorded a lot of the conversations that I had with people. Took a lot of notes. Um, and, uh, but, so, so you have this, uh, so there's, there's a fundraising thing happening now in Ireland and, uh, the awful reality of it is that um, m- money stops death. It's plain and simple like that. It's really That's sim- it. money stops. And the kids are the first to die. And they reckon there's up to a quarter of a million kids that could probably die before Christmas. So but so I'm going I'm part of that campaign now of um, asking the public to donate. But Every public appeal is a failure of government. Mm-hmm. Every time the Irish public are asked for money, it's because our government and the governments of Europe and the Americans and the Saudi Arabians and the Iranians and the Israelis and the Indians haven't done enough. So two things should happen. Number one, Irish people, it's like, you're, it's like driving past a car crash, right? And you're thinking to yourself, why isn't there an ambulance there? Okay. But what do you do? You, you fucking stop and you see what, what you can do. So the Irish public are being asked to stop and to give something. And the Irish public generally stop and always Absolutely. and always stop and, uh, and give help. But I, I don't Phenomenal. Think, I don't think it's right no. that we should be asked again and again and again and again. And what is there so, so, so two things should happen. One, we need to give them money. And two... We need to insist that our government, our government made a pledge that it would commit 0.7% of our budget to overseas development aid. 0.7. So if you have 100 euro, if you have 100 euro, that's 7 cent. And Trocar said to me, if we got that 0.7%, we wouldn't have to ask the Irish public for anything. So okay. they don't even get it? They don't even get the 0.7%. So the government gave no funding? The government are at the moment given 0.37. And they first made this commitment <sighs> with Garrett Fitzgerald. Jesus. Way back in the fucking 70s or 80s. There are four governments in Europe which are doing it. I think it's Norway, Denmark, Sweden and Finland. They've, they're reaching the... But the Irish are somewhere... Why is that a problem with the money that's sloshing around, sloshing here and sloshing there in this country and government? I I don't know. And I also think... So 0.7 is... You still have 99.3. Now 0.7% is hundreds of millions. 
It could be eight or nine hundred million. That's the amount of money the government have. And they they made this commitment to do it. It's in their ma- manifesto for government. Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil said, we will deliver on the 0.7 and they haven't. Mm. I also think that uh, multinational corporations, all these massive companies who come to Ireland and are taken out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions in profit, I think they should also pay 0.7%. Sure, sure, if they taxed them even that much, they'd get it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, this is it's a, it's solvable. A, and this is... This has been going on for a long time. Though, doesn't have to be this way. So there's two things we need to do. We need to, we need to uh, be frustrated and annoyed and disappointed with our government. And we also need just to give whatever we can. What did you think, Tommy, of the people on the ground who are volunteering and working and doing the jobs as best they can? They're an amazing. Amazing. Just amazing. A lot of them uh, were Local from, people. from Kenya. Um, <clears throat> just uh, I was very taken Are there many Irish over there volunteering and working out there? Not really it's mainly uh, Trokra mainly employ Locals Locals oh, okay. and, uh, Kenyans and Somali people um, There's one time we were uh, so we were due to go uh, driving to one of these camps and we were in uh, Dullo uh, beside the airport so we're chatting away in the morning and, you know, the, we're told the night before, OK, we're going to meet at 7.30 and we'll be on the road by 8. Right, so you go walk out at 5 to 8 uh, and it's fucking boiling. It is Sean boiling. It is very, very, very hot. Yeah. It's fucking 32, 33 degrees. Now, Jesus, that'd be on the news for a week if that was, if that was the weather and not We'd more. <laughs> We'd be all... It is boiling. Melted. So we're all sitting down in these plastic chairs outside the compound. I'm kind of going fuck with this. <laughs> the head of security comes over and says don't worry it's just a it's just a everybody will find out what that is don't, don't worry <laughs> so the Ethiopian army have taken charge of the airport even though it's in Somalia uh, because of security things with yes. uh, Al-Shabaab so we're sitting there and we're just fucking chatting away <laughs> and next thing there's another fucking explosion. <laughs> How far away would you say it was? Uh, lovely. Fairly yeah, fucking fairly close, close now. <laughs> <laughs> lovely stuff. The sounds of Africa. So people are kind of yapping to one another. Yeah. And the first thing, like, when you hear a fucking bomb going off, uh, you don't look to see where the bomb is. It's like being on a flight and you're hitting turbulence. You look at the fucking air hostess to see if she's shitting herself. So I was looking at the head of security. Uh, and what it was, was the, um, the Ethiopian army uh, were doing a bit of bombing in the area. Okay, uh, and that was the closest that we <coughs> that we kind of came to danger. But Tommy, like when you were there at night time, what was it like when you put your head on the pillow and the sounds of it? Was it cricket? Well, I tell you, the so heat was your room. You know, tell me about that because you're you're lying in no, a room. The, the first thing I tell you is, uh, I, so there's a, this compound where we're all staying, <clears throat> and uh, I go into the I go into my room, and it's fairly basic now. Uh, there'd be a dribble of water from the ceiling uh, to wash yourself in, you know, and uh, it's cold, but you wouldn't, you'd be, you yeah, couldn't, you, care. you wouldn't want hot water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have a quick fucking wash of myself and uh, um, I go up into the kind of the general uh, living area where everyone gets a bit of food and stuff. They're mad for sweet stuff and mad for fried stuff. Really? So there's, we're, there's for a, breakfast, like? Yeah, we're having a bit of food anyway. No, this is in the evening time. All right. <clears throat> and I go in. And they're all fucking watching. 
Man United versus Arsenal. Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is Up it, man. On the telly, Whoa. and I thought to myself, there was no getting away from it. There was no yes. getting away from this at all. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, so it was, uh, it was, when I think about, had thought about famine before, the images come into my head are stuff that I've seen on the telly, uh, from Ethiopia and, Mm -hmm. you know, and Somalia in 1992. Uh, what I saw wasn't like that. So I had to kind of adjust, um, there are villages in Africa, in, in Somalia, that are relatively functioning. All oh, right. There's a market. There are people in the towns who have food and who have money. Oh, okay. What's happened is that the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who live out in the bush, away from the towns, who depend on the weather and depend on their animals, they're the ones that are starving to death. So that took me a kind of yeah. a minute or two just to fucking adjust to. And how far would these towns be from those areas? Well, well, so the people from those areas have walked to the towns, and they're in, they're in. The, so you might have a town with eighty thousand people in it, right? And you might have a camp Beside outside it. the town with a hundred thousand people in it, and you have uh, there just isn't enough food for everybody. It's a massive country. Oh, it's, See, it's fucking a massive. And are the towns lawless as well? Are they all ruled by Al Shabaab? They're not lawless, but they're um, they're. I I ask, would I be able to sit down and have a, a, a cup of tea in these places? And they said no. All oh, right, so it's not like. And I, I said, why not? He said, because you, you'd probably be kidnapped. You specifically, because you're white and you're did you, not yeah, from there. Did you think there's a bit of is, there's corruption there? There's a there's a there's a. Oh yeah, people running the running the operation. Yeah, there's, there's the, gangs, there's the Al Shabaabs, there's politics, there's payoffs, there's money not going to the right people. Um, did I, you, did you, I, I did don't you feel about, that. I don't know about money not going to the right people. I think the aid gets through because yes. the, the the elders of the place are are asking for it. They say, you know, we you just you're, you're seeing people dying like so. Um, no, my my sense of it was it's. Um, uh, I don't fit in there. You know, I could never walk across Somalia. Mm. I could never, I can't walk downtown Mogadishu. I can't go into Dullo for a cup of tea. 
So you kind of just accept your place and you kind of go, this is not my country. Uh, even though the people that I met, they're just, that man who lost his baby, I sat with him for an hour chatting and I swear to God, uh, one of the most beautiful people and not sad. I asked loads of them. I said, are you, are you angry? Do you blame anybody? And they all go, smiles on their faces. They go, no. And they go, inshallah. Mm-hmm. They go, this is God's will. And God will, hopefully God will send us food. And that's the way they, that's the way they don't get, they almost, I wouldn't say they're accepting of it, but they kind of are. In a, it's, again, nothing is clear. Is that their, like, is there any way of them getting out of those camps? Or getting a, getting back his cattle, or does he start again, no, he, or no, is he, he, just that? He, he, he doesn't want to go back. He says, "No, I'm I'm here now." And there's a camp. And did there. they live in like their own little shack, their own little place? Before, it's, not a sh- it's like a, it's there before they of, went into a the couple of pieces camps. of corrugated iron. Like when he had his fa- his animals and his family, did they live in their own separate little place? I, I'm not sure, um, but mm-hmm. they they lived like you know they were farming hundreds people. of kilometers away. So I, I don't know where they lived, but they he said he wouldn't go back. You know. It's funny, isn't it, that they pray for rain. Rain hasn't come for four years in Somalia. And if it they're does, agricultural it, people, nomadic. Yeah. All they care about is their goats, yeah. their cow, camels. Camels, camels they just want the land to work the land. And if there's no rain, it's agriculture. They suffer. And it's funny, isn't it? And we have an abundance of it in this part of the so world. So I'd ask everybody who's listening, if they can, uh, to give money to Troker for this. and um, I can't believe. And, and also to get angry at, uh, we're having a, our budget fairly soon and it'll be money for this and money for that and everybody's all concerned about and rightly so about cost of living and um, but they have a we have a cost of living crisis they have an edge of death crisis and 0.7% 0.7 not even fucking 8% not even you're talking about less than one out of every 100 euro 7 cent and that would solve the problem and um, well Tommy fair play to you to so go over there because you've gone to a fairly extreme part of the world and uh, it'll, but it'll only sink in what you've seen and the, 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 the things you have taken on board because when you walked around there not you weren't there for one day how many days were you there for? As four or five or four or five days of seeing it every day walking into the mud huts and sitting with these people and, and even took out the Birkenstocks Oh Did they come out? The Birkenstocks came there out. There was a little bit of Do you apologise I must say, I saw photographs with the Yasser Arafat scarf. Have they not scarf. suffered enough? I think, I think RT could have a new correspondent from the well, Horn of Africa. Well, honest to God, he's just do like... Do, 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 do. do, what, do you, what can we do now to help? What can the three of us do? What can THL community do? We can kidnap Pascal Dunahue <laughs> and hold him and for ransom. And empty his pockets, is it? We can fly Turn him, him in upside on down and take fly his Fly him into a mountain in Connemaran and kidnap him. And give us the 0.7. Hey. So that's, that's, that's that particular... Inshallah, like, story. Salam alaikum. How do you move on from that? Like, what, what's like? What are you, are you going to go again? Um, I'd like to do more work with Trokra in other parts of the world. Well, me and Hector could see you there now. On the do you know, I'd like to go to Nicaragua and Guatemala. Absolutely, I'd like to go to Same Palestine. Problems. Uh, the, the, they're working those parts of the world are more to do with injustice though rather than uh, food there's a fierce lopsidedness to the world isn't there there's it's just it's just and I hate that first world third world comparison I hate that fucking that we live in the first world and that they're in the third world and I will say on Africa Tommy you were an extreme part of it but there's some amazing vibrant healthy positive oh, yeah. parts to Africa it's a, it's an ever changing continent but 
th- that where you are geographically located there and the, the horn, unless they get the rain, there's fucking, it's going to be, it's not going to solve itself fairly No, soon. but, you know, um, I was listening to Michael D and Michael D was saying uh, there are structural, global structural problems that have a huge role to play in those people not getting food. That doesn't do it rain. But that's what I mean. That it's, it to do, the, it's to do with uh, that's what I mean. massive companies speculating on the price of food. It's to do with governments just not doing the right thing. So, you know, there was famine there in 92. Uh, famine was became very close in 2011. And now we're fucking here. This is not the first time people are talking about famine in Africa. I know. Do you know? But uh, how, like, what do you do then? Do you lobby governments to... Get involved? Or are they just stepping? Yeah, you do, and it's why should we? Just people, have, people have enough to be fucking doing. Do you know what I mean? It should be the government's taking care of it, a not parent, the fucking people of the country. A, a, a mother and father wake up in the morning; they have enough to be fucking at without lobbying the government. Do you know what I mean? They're worrying about this child, worrying about that child, worrying about fucking this expense, worrying about the mother, worrying about the father, worrying about X. How am I going to pay for the nursing home? Worrying and worrying and worrying and fucking worrying. And the last thing they need to be do on their their couple of hours off of an evening is to be lobbying the government to give more money to overseas development aid. You know, yeah. the politicians are elected to carry out the will of the people. They're civil servants. And my sense is that everybody in Ireland, no matter who they are, would not have a problem with the amount that the overseas development aid people are looking for. They'd say, fucking, yeah. Sort that out. Sort it out. Yeah, but then they'll do this narrative of, oh, well, we'll get, if we give it to their, that, that'll that be their story, as opposed to structuring it right and maybe, you know, p- being careful with where they're putting money. And, you know, they're they're putting money historically into things, maybe like there's empty piles of it going into certain organisations in Ireland, like the HSC or whatever mm-hmm. it is. If that was structurally right, they would have that extra money to be distributing, but they just don't. Don't they either don't know how to do it, mm. or they're not. Or they're not able to do. Don't it. believe them when they say there isn't enough money. That's what I'm saying. But don't that that'll them. be the narrative. It'll be the narrative of oh well, we have to do this, and we have to give it to this, and we have to give it to that, and uh, you know. And then you see, like for instance, when what happened in the Ukraine straight away, they had to open up and give a huge amount of money to that, and it was there, and it was there, and they gave it, yeah, and nobody would begrudge those people anything. Yeah, you know. So, but anyway, me, what's the story with my leg? No, well, <laughs> it's what is hard. that? It, right behind the knee. Yeah. Do you have varicose well, veins or something? And I couldn't. So I'm, I'm just fucking. Are you down the car? What? What were you? Thirty seven. I was forty seven D. And did you have your tights on? I was fifty two F. Did you have your tights on? Fucking ten hours. Don't tell me you put the deep vein white socks on. No, but I should. I should oh Jesus! Yeah. I that's hate it, that that's it, yeah. Fucking tramping around a famine camp in Somalia asking people to vet for the fucking socks for the long haul fight. <laughs> and Tommy, <laughs> stretch it out there now. How is it now? It's Now it's all right, but Jesus. Well, awful. Tommy, what I say to you is this. It's the first time you've ever in a long, long time pl- in economy. Yeah, you know, the I, next time I, you'll I never go back. It's business class. I don't like flying. You can't to be on the long haul flights. I, he's going to have to go back into <laughs> first class. You're not going class. to be able to go over there anymore because it's going to be too so far. So I flew out with two people from Troker and I, I would just imagine myself say to them as we're getting on board look I don't mean to be a cunt but uh, <laughs> I'm actually sitting up in first class <laughs> I'll see you afterwards guys uh, yeah, how did it. you feel when you did you feel any pang of guilt that you that you were escaping that you can go back to your life now and that you we are a million miles away in so many ways 
No, I didn't feel any guilt, but I was just uh, uh, grateful. Yeah. Um, and like we have in our, our, the site that we're living on here in Barna is three quarters of an acre of a site. And the grass is too long at the moment. Uh, and to us, it's just fucking, it's a pain in the hole every time you have to cut it. But if people in Africa had that, they'd, they'd live. You could have a hundred goats and sheep, but we should get cows. Yeah, they'd live. And that, so I'm, I'm, I was just struck by how yeah. uh, it's amazing you, lucky that, we are. That you, you said know. that they're happy and they have absolutely nothing like. Well, that's, uh, that's I had a game of invisible football with these young fellas. Did you bring any? Did idea? you bring anything that I asked you? That? No, I, 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 I know now going over. I brought. Um, I told you to bring little. Pets. I know, but I, I tried. I when, when you're told you're going to uh, a place where there's famine. And you know, there's. You, you, you think the, it's the, all going to be sadness, but there was was there joy in the kids playing. The kids football? were just. Yes. They, they were looking at me, and they were a bit kind of. Uh, What's the story of this fella? Yeah, one baby looked at me and started crying. And his mother, <laughs> his mother said, "He thinks you're a ghost." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, there was about eight or nine young fellas um, looking at me, and uh, and again they're dust. They're head to toe in their. Dusty kids. Hardy little bucks. Right, they're just, and they're fucking standing there in the African sun. And I, I make, uh, again, Lurisha, taking, <laughs> having, um, taking inspiration from... coming next. <laughs> no, you know you're one when you're the mime artist. Oh, yeah, yes. taking inspiration from your, the miming oh, class. Yeah, what was yeah. the name of the mime mat thing you just, did? Just mime artist. Just, yeah. just mime. So I mimed uh, and then, a football. Right. right. I mimed a football and I put it down on the ground and I passed it to them. And they fucking passed it back to me. And then? And we had a game of invisible football. Interesting. Isn't that? The next time you go, I told I'll, you to bring one football. I'll bring an actual football with Could me you imagine time. the joy in that? Anyway, Tommy, I'm, I'm very proud of you that you've gone to... She could only bring hand, hand luggage. She couldn't bring that to, much. To do it. Fair, fair fucks to you to do it and to uh, highlight what's going on. So if people would like to give money, please go to the irishemergencyalliance.org where seven or eight different Irish aid companies have come together and you give money into the one pot and they all use it. Or, uh, and the plan to kidnap and hold the Minister for Finance. <laughs> I didn't if know you, what you were going to say you, there. If you come up with a good idea of, of how the kidnap should happen, please get in touch with us on the podcast. So we're turning into militia here. If the car can. is moving through the gates. Just a cycle, Kenny, John. Over. If you can help, please do. details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rust-oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips runs uneven coverage or anything else custom spray five in one only from rust-oleum 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 